afternoon. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel, and today I'm so happy to have in the studio here Theron Humphrey. Thanks for having me. Theron, it's awesome. Welcome. You just drove in to town, didn't I, you? I did. I was, literally got here like four minutes ago from Detroit. <laughs> oh, I saw that you had posted a photo on This Wild Idea with a picture of Maddie, your your coonhound, driving yeah. uh, a, a, a Volkswagen yeah, was rabbit, old, was it? Yeah, it was like, a vintage rabbit, an old, oh. old diesel rabbit from the 80s. <laughs> so Maddie was driving that through the streets of Detroit, yeah, maybe Cratchit or Woodward? <laughs> that would definitely be one of my three wishes, to have my dog be able to like chauffeur me around. That'd be incredible. <laughs> <laughs> and so now we're going to make some sense of this because you and Maddie have been driving across the country now um, for for since, is it 2012 or 2011 is when yeah, you guys for, started? For over two years now, we've been pretty much uh, traveling and shooting documentaries and taking photos pretty much nonstop for uh, a little over two years now. In your Toyota Tacoma. Yeah, in my, your, your, my old Toyota. Your, your truck. And now you've, you're pulling, um, a, a, you've got a trailer behind it that has painted on the side, Why We Rescue. Yes, ma'am. And this is, this is about, we're going to have the battle. This is going to be a this is going to be a ma'am and sir battle. This is going to be happening today on Living Writers with Theron Humphrey. <laughs> and I have to mention your book, Maddie on Things, a super serious project about dogs and physics <laughs> uh, with Chronicle Books this year, like just, just out this, this spring. Yeah, it, it just came out. Theron, oh, and you're, tonight you're going to be um, uh, speaking or visiting Nic- Nicholas and talking about the book with Maddie yeah. at 7 p.m. Yeah, we're on a 50-state uh, year-long documentary project and book tour, so they're running concurrently. So uh, this is our 20th bookstore stop of of about uh, 50, so... Yeah. Wow, so we're getting you right in the not quite the midpoint, but yeah, we're getting really close. So we've been doing we've been on the road for uh, a little over three months now. So we, we've uh, been doing this for a minute, <laughs> and it's it's you and Garrett and Maddie the Coonhound. Yeah, Maddie's um, Maddie's my dog, and she's been um, traveling with me now, like I said, for over two years. And um, yeah, it's a it's a really fascinating story, and. I guess if you happen to be listening, you can look at my work on Instagram. Uh, this wild idea is my handle on there. I guess maybe to get a visual of what we're up to. But yeah, it all, it all started. Um, you know, I had a corporate job up in Idaho. Uh, you know, I went to um, I went to school for photography down in uh, Savannah, Georgia. And the funny thing about going to school for something is, although like I think when you're in the midst of it, you often like. I uh, just want to be finished with school. But but the beautiful thing about studying at a university is you, you execute your passion. Like you point your camera at what you love within the structure of your professor's class, but it's always your vision. And when you graduate and you get out of school, quickly you realize that to earn a living, you have to photograph what other people love. And it's not that that's like or, inherent. Or- 
or that they want to sell. Yeah. And so it's really strange to take a passion and then commodify it. So like to uh, shoot product for a company that's creating something you don't believe in. So like my story is uh, I got a job up in North Idaho for a women's fashion company, which I don't know if that's like an oxymoron, but that is where their headquarters <laughs> is. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I was shooting handbags and necklaces and earrings 60 hours a week. So that was my life. But 60 hours. Oh, yeah. Were you, know, you just put that? How did you even find ways to make that n- new? Are we? Yeah, you it's putting them in formations. Or yeah, like <laughs> close ups. Yeah, help anytime, for me bag. Yeah, anytime you see like product for sale on a, a, like J Crew or L L B or like any kind of like retailer um, or in a catalog, there's always like a photographer and a stylist and an art director that's involved to like execute that vision. And you know, uh, it, not to be dramatic, but like it really stole my soul because like I was photographing things I didn't believe in, like things that really weren't that well made, things that were um, like put into the world like solely to make money. Like it wasn't like, hey, this handbag is going to make some lives better and like make our existence um, like even like uh, more fruitful. It's like, hey, we can make a bunch of money if we sell this. So like, you know, that drive, if if that's your idea of existing, then um, it really will steal your creative soul. Um, And I think anyone who's like knee deep in in that world or like have a little taste of it can hopefully can relate. And so you were feeling this, this sort of emptiness and you just thought, I need to, you talked to, you called a good friend up on the phone and you said, I need to change something yeah yeah like um three things came together one was of course like we were talking about burned out in corporate life um and then i actually had flown back to visit my granddad in uh north carolina yeah where where, like i I was i was raised i grew up on this farm like my grandparents were tobacco farmers my grandparents um i'm sorry my parents uh, were farmers as children growing up so that's how they made their living and uh this is where i spent my summers and i flew back and this is and you're at, really connected to something. You're like you, you can't help but know that you're doing something real if you're f- farming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. connected to soil. Like you can point, you can like l- physically and literally point at like, hey, like I grew that, I did that, and that's something really beautiful because like you can see your mark versus like being in a dark studio with strobes like flashing off, like selling something to to a person you'll never meet. Where like a farmer can be like, hey, thank you for supporting this process. Like I know who you are. Um, and yeah, that's what I found when I went back to North Carolina. I took a portrait of my granddad and his farm and uh, just like created this narrative, this visual story of who he was. And I sat down with an audio recorder and I just asked him about his dad and his granddad and the stories of just living for almost 90 years. And uh, what happened was, um, you know, I had a, that week of PTO, which is in the corporate world, pay time off, um, <laughs> a little, little uh, corporate slang. And when once I got back to Idaho, the, the following day, my grandfather actually passed away. So like so literally, sorry. I can't believe that. that yeah, I mean, I'm, like literally in a heartbeat, like all that work became more valuable. So like now one day when I have kids, I can be like, hey, this is what your grandfather looked like. This is what he sounds like. This is what he created. So I was like, man, I wish someone sat down with my great grandfather and just spent 10 minutes and recorded his voice. Like the technology was there in the 40s. Like what if someone took the time? And then I was like, I was like you know what, what did my mom sound like when she was 18? There's no recordings of her. I was like, it's so incredible to hear her voice, what she loved in life, um, what she wanted to do, what she was hopeful about, like what she looked like, what her day in her life was. Um, yeah, and th- that like that idea, really simple, like I got really passionate about celebrating the everyday. 
So often we're guilty or um, really uh, driven in our culture to celebrate the mountaintop experience, Mm. like the day of graduation. But in reality, it's like the everyday of going to class, of living your life is what defines a life. So I I got really stirred up about that idea. And it really, and you saw like the, the real value of having these stories from the individual person and and you thought then why not take it broader like to the the 50 states and there's like make record someone take pictures of them and is this the 365 project that because people can go on your your website Mm -hmm. to this wild idea and see 365 maddie um South Highway 17, which is your granddad and your grandma. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like we're throwing a lot of content over the airwaves. Yeah. Airwaves. But uh, um, yeah, you can go to my website, thiswhatidea.com, and you can hear um, that 365 project. And like, this is like the reason why this story matters is because Maddie, which is the book that just came out, is kind of intertwined in all of it. It kind of grew organically out of that. But um, the, the This What Idea project is like somewhere in between like StoryCorps and This American Life but it's driven by visuals. So mm-hmm. it's like, since like I like telling stories with photographs, um, that's the basis of it. And then it has audio recordings. So it's stills and audio. And the vision of the project was to give um, people a gift. So that same gift I experienced when I photographed my grandfather for the last time, I was like, what if I set out and created a portrait of the country for a whole year, photograph one person a day, every single day across all 50 states? Like, what would that commitment look like? What would the work look like? Mm-hmm. And it was the hardest and most amazing year of my life and actually that that project um ultimately was a national geographics travel project of the year so that was well, like congratulations thanks <laughs> it was an incredible capstone to it all so wow because i saw that that was in your acknowledgement section you national geographic was there yeah and- I, got, I got to go to dc and they printed my work in their magazine and i got to meet with the senior photo editor so it was like definitely a dream it was incredible is that would you think about I mean, would that be part of the corporate life that you could still be part of if you were to work for National Geographic? Um, what? I mean, I would love to shoot for National Geographic if they're listening. Yes, I should say. might be. You never know. <laughs> uh, no, I think because like with National Geographic, um, you're pointing at your camera like really like valuable things in life, like things that are worthy of sharing and telling. And yeah, it would be a great honor to shoot for them. And you'd be collaborating with writers and other and and yeah, on these great like lasting stories, yeah. hopefully, for National Geographic. Yeah, and, and, the, and the project was, um, it was really fascinating because it was like the antithesis of travel because it wasn't about my experience. Like I wanted to tell the stories of people that I met along the way. So it wasn't like Thier and Humphrey's like daily life. It was like, oh, hey, I met you and you're worthy because you exist. And it's not about what you have done or haven't done. It's just that you have a story worth sharing. And how did you pick, for example, Helen Riley? Like, how... Yeah, so... Um, about half the people I photographed, I literally just walked up to and said hi and shook their hand, and which takes like a lot of courage, at least for myself, and a lot of guts, um, and you have to be willing to hear no. But once people realize that uh, you're not trying to sell them something and you're not asking them for money, um, like 99% of America is like really awesome, and we just want to connect and be loved and um, it's just quite like the the analogy would be like um, like getting hugged. It's so great to be hugged. And uh, even though it, it feels common, um, if you're quiet and you can sit down on a bench and think about getting hugged, it's like this amer- amazing experience to connect with another person, as simple as it is. And, and that's kind of what the project was about, like 
giving people hugs. <laughs> I've never used that's that's an off the cuff analogy, <laughs> but it, I, I hope it's quite true. <laughs> <laughs> or that could be the the deepening of the project, where there's definitely then a hug added yeah. to the next 365 <laughs> and, hugs. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and here's the amazing thing is like to to make it a little bit more literal is that you know you shake I would shake people's hands when I would first meet them, and by mm. the time I left, we oh, would yeah. hug. Mm. So like I think it kind of showed the value of um of the project. That's kind of like that on living writers too oh good yeah. <laughs> you know and it's going to be so great people can actually shake your hand tonight theron then if they head over to nicola's in in westgate yeah. at the bookshop yeah. to see you um this evening at seven so if you're listening you can start heading towards nicola's um grab a bite to eat on the way and maddie will be there too yeah my great companion maddie the coonhound and and is maddie going to do any signings with her paw like is she going to sign some books she sure will actually made her paw print into a stamp so it's her literal paw like uh, stamp books and you know love to sign them too <laughs> that's great but they won't you won't be putting the ink pad on her paw and then she's yeah only <laughs> only did that once once just yeah. the once Okay, well, let's take a short break, and then we'll come back. We'll talk more with Theron Humphrey, his book, Maddie on Things, a super serious project about dogs and physics out this spring with Chronicle Books. You've got living writers. Greg is in the engineering chair. I'm T. Hetzel. We'll be right back. He may contain the earth to run away, but hold her down with soggy clothes and breeze blocks. Shedders in your fevers, greet me again. Never kisses, or do you ever send a full stop? Do you know where the waffles go? They go along to take your honey. Way down, I we build a breakfast down and say, My love, my love, love, love. La la la, muscle to muscle, toe to toe. The bear is gripping me, but here I go. Pistol shows, hold her down with soggy clothes and breeze blows. She's morphine, queen of my vaccine, my love, my love, love, love. back. If you're just tuning in, I'm sure glad you did. Today, Theron Humphrey is here in the studio and uh, on Living Writers, 
on oh WCBN FM Ann Arbor. I'm gonna get that station ID in there <laughs> here and there. Um, Theron has got this great book that he's on book tour with. Um, this bookshop twenty on a, a, a you're gonna do. Are you gonna go to fifty bookstores? Yeah, we're, we're going to all fifty states. And so we're, do, okay. we're doing about forty five bookstores. Okay, all right. So they are on the road. Um, Maddie on things, a super serious project about dogs and physics, um, and we're going to hear a bit more about Maddie and this this book project, this photo book. Um, but first, Theron, you chose this song that we just heard um, by Alt-J. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the tour kicked off down in Austin, Texas, which um, is an incredible place. Like, literally the best tacos in America. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, we were there for South by Southwest and such incredible energy. I think it should be on everyone's like must do list of like something to experience in the United States. And it's just this like influx of music and interactive web and uh, just a lot of great people down there. And, and Alt J, of course, is, um, you know, like uh, my find from South by Southwest. I discovered their music there and just really fell in love. And and did you and Maddie go on stage with them, or was it something that <laughs> is that going to be? Was did I miss that on your? <laughs> I, I wish I did. I can't. I can't claim that. But uh, my, my actually my good buddy uh, Ed, uh, he's in the band Grizzly Bear. They're actually playing tonight over in uh, Detroit, Michigan. So uh, I, I maybe I could have gone on stage tonight if we uh, were there. But you know, we got oh, this book tour, so oh, that's good the, too. Oh, do you after Nicholas? Do you have to start heading towards the next? Yeah, so after book after song. the um, after the book signing tonight, we'll actually be on the road towards uh, Ohio to get some miles on because we have like another tour stop. So they just um, you know, where do you go next? Uh, we'll be down in Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh, great, yeah. Cincy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'll be great. Well, so okay, so getting back to to Maddie on things, a super serious project about dogs and physics. How did Maddie come into your life? Yeah, so, so right before I started traveling for that documentary that we were talking about, this SWAT idea, um, you know, I love Steinbeck, Travels with Charlie, and I was like, I need a companion. And I got on Pet Finder uh, and I searched for Coonhound because I'm from the South and I really wanted a Southern dog. Uh, it's just a, a breed that I knew and was familiar with just because neighbors would have them as hunting companions. And Maddie was the first one that came up and I was like, oh my gosh, she looks like a deer. That's so amazing. And I went down to the, to the, um, to the, the animal shelter and I played with her I was like ah, you know it's a lot to take on a dog and it is a lot of responsibility and so so I was really unsure but as I was walking her back to put her back in the kennel she pressed her body against my leg the whole way back and I was like oh my gosh I you can't already put, bonded I was like I can't put you back in the cage so uh, <laughs> <laughs> so $40 later I had a dog in my life and I had no idea what I was doing Maddie's my first dog and uh, you know we just have been rolling with the punches and like just been traveling ever since and was this, did you find Maddie actually in Idaho then? Because were you in Idaho still at your that the job that you mentioned in yeah. the first quarter? At, at that point, I had um, resigned from a job and uh, I launched a Kickstarter project to fund this wild idea. And I was in Atlanta, Georgia, preparing, building the website, uh, and just getting ready for the year on the road. So that was our launching point because I have a friend and family there in Atlanta. So it was just a place to start. How did um how how did you do Kickstarter? Like, was that something that you started when you were back in Idaho to actually see if you could gather the funds to then kind of move move to Atlanta to start it off with a web 
side. And yeah, actually, I, when, or... I, when I resigned from my job, I had like zero prospects. I just knew that I had to go discover and create something I loved. And halfway through that process of leaving the job and then starting this one idea, I was like, let's launch this Kickstarter to fund it. And the beautiful thing about it is, you know, Kickstarter is a creative funding platform, is that my project, there was nothing really tangible you would get. So often projects that are really successful in there, it's like this like watch where you can put your iPod Nano and then like it becomes something you can like actually wear or buy in the store. But with my project, it was photography. So people were like investing in other people. They're like, hey, storytelling is valuable. These everyday moments are worth sharing. And it wasn't something you could like a product you would buy. So it was quite incredible that I raised about $16,000 to go tell stories. I was super grateful. And which, by the way, is not enough money to do a year-long project. But uh, I had a little bit of savings from working, and that uh, covered the rest. But that year wasn't about like you know making money. It wasn't even about breaking even. It was just like I need to go to create. do to yeah. do it. And that's a that's the biggest difference between me and other image makers. So, like I'm just a photographer. I'm not even that great of a photographer. It's just that I went out there and did it, which should be really encouraging because like um, I just want to like shake people and be like, you know, don't sit around and talk about projects over beer. You know, go out there and make the work because that's going to lead to like personal growth and artistic growth and like um, and that's the value. That's the that's the hard work that's totally necessary. I think your story is really inspiring. When when I was in the MFA program here, I tried to write a travel grant based on the travels with Charlie. When I had my Australian Shepherd, my dog that I moved here with, um, Theron, and um, but then they did they didn't fund it. They funded it. They ended up funding something else. Thank goodness, but not this other project. Which so when I saw that in the introduction to Maddie on things, I was like, that's right, travels with Charlie, and you've got this great. Um, you lead off. There's an image of you and Maddie, and you're you're in the shopping cart, which is funny. And then you've got a great map that sort of also echoes the travels with Charlie, yeah. where they have the map in the book, Definitely. as well with Steinbeck. Um, yeah, I mean he's a huge inspiration, and I know there's been a little controversy over his work recently. Like he actually, it turns out that he maybe slept in a lot of like four star four star hotels along the way. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, la, 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 yeah. <laughs> That's kind of how it's breaking I, news on living writers. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. That's at least like the, the latest on the Wikipedia page. Cause I read it recently, mm. but it, it's still incredible. And uh, but still is somebody story. out to like slam him. Like there's always this, like the weird back curtain story of Wikipedia, like the people who add things on. There yeah. And edit it and, yeah. I don't know the I source know. of all that information, but n- nevertheless, um, you know, you know, traveling is like just intrinsically American in the mm. open road. Um, even though like often the world feels totally explored, like you get on the internet and you're like, you know, is there anything else left to see? But I can like promise you like traveling America, stop and ask someone to name a photographer and you're going to be lucky if they can name Ansel Adams. And the exciting part about that is there's still plenty of room for people to be advocates for the arts and to go share their vision of how they see the world. So if most of America doesn't even know who Ansel Adams is, that should get you excited because like you can There's still space get, for you. Yeah. You get, there, you get it like your art and your vision. Mm-hmm, you get to educate them about like, you know, photography is a way of seeing. Yes, quite, quite <laughs> literally. And and um, photo books are a, a brilliant way of making it into an artifact that it's then it's alive in a different way because it's an art object as this book. Yeah. And 
Let's talk a little bit about the photo yeah, book I, that you, you made. Yeah, I think this, the great thing about the Maddie book is um, all the images inside are actually iPhone 4 photographs. So um, I was using my DSLR for the documentary. And so the iPhone and Instagram became this like pause to my day, something like very different, a different medium, a different outlet. And it, of course, would be instant. A lot of the value was being able to share it right on the spot as I traveled the country. So I think that's part of why people fell in love with it. Um, but the great thing about the book is that um, I think it brings a, a new level of relevancy to the print media because like people are always asking it like is publishing dying is print going away but the great thing about the Maddie book is it's the right size it's a, over 160 pages um, I think the retail price on it is sixteen dollars, mm-hmm. and it's printed. I think really exceptionally, so it's an incredible deal um, to get like that many photos on your coffee table of this like journey across America. So you know, photo books to be successful and relevant, they don't have to be one hundred and fifty dollars in these like massive pieces. So like this has got me. Well, it's excited. a way to share your vision. It's actually a way of. Com- like what you were talking about earlier, I think, Theron, right? It's like communicating this vision that, that you have yeah. or that the artist, the creator of the photo book would have. Yeah, definitely. And, and the other great thing that the, like a physical book has provided is um, like creating internet experiences um, because like this is all started on the internet, but uh, it gives us like an opportunity to connect in real life and to be like, I'm a human, Maddie's a real dog. And I also get to like shake people's hands and be like, what are you up to in life? Like, what do you create? What do you love to do? And I think that's what the internet needs more of. So probably going forward, I think the internet is going to become even more like, it, it'll always be like this really widespread global thing, but we're going to see like smaller communities like pop up where people can actually connect with one another and share online, but also come together together like in physical spaces and that's what's been really brilliant about the book tour and going to like indie stores around the country to get an opportunity to like shake people's hands and we need those shops we just um a couple weeks ago we had the folks from literati the new um bookshop downtown in ann arbor nicholas is keeping the faith as the indie bookstore as others have been closing and then literati just opened up um a few blocks away too and it just talking about these spaces as real community hubs and yeah the, importance of of that because it's more than um it's you can see like the book as an object is a very human a different human experience than reading scrolling down on a screen definitely and there are beautiful like the visual images that are available now on screens like the power of the image on screen is obviously amazing but the photo book when you can actually find something and then you can you carry it it's like this this object that then you have this different, really different experience with. Yeah, and I can, um, I can. The, the I think the biggest testament to that idea is that so you can buy the book online right now, and it's about four dollars cheaper than buying it locally in an indie store. But um, what happens is no one that leaves the book signing goes, "Man, I wish I saved four dollars and bought this online." <laughs> Everyone's like, "This was an incredible space to come together," right. and I'm really glad that I invested in this place because the thing that an online reseller can't provide is the tangible connection, the the space where like, because the idea of community is like you literally have to come together and you have to like look at one another and listen. And uh, it's w- worth way more than saving four bucks on the internet. So everyone I think kind of like gets that idea after they come out. Yes. And what's great too, Theron, is that you're, um, you're, you're actually going to, 
45 bookshops and you're going to all 50 states. And not everyone can do that with book tours now. It's sort of like even the big books, people can only maybe go to a few cities. Yeah. And, and so this is exciting that you're making it part of, it's part of the vision is make building these communities and uniting us more as a nation. And yeah. I mean, Marathi and Nicholas and are part of that. Yeah. I mean, it's a ton of work and we're exhausted, but we're also like super grateful. And David Sedaris is actually on a book tour right now. And his is like um, 30 stops, but he's like, you know, flying everywhere. And it's like within like two or three months. And, you know, ours is this year long project and which is like kind of like um, not normal. Normal, right because like by the time we finish it the book will be a year old but like what we're trying to say is that the print media has different value on the internet so you make a post on Facebook and within 24 hours it's like gone forever you know you can you're lucky if you can go find that post but what we're saying with the book is that building relationships with people and actually having the image on a page should and can still be valuable a year later um, or more. Imagine when somebody finds this, like either hopefully there might still be used bookshops, you know, in 20 years, 10 years <laughs> or so or or places like in someone's um, attic or in or some like granddad's bookshelf or something. Where, and, and then you have the chance, like you said, you can find it and you 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 have an object that you're ex- having an experience with. Yeah, no, definitely. It's so, so true. It, don't mean that to sound creepy. <laughs> Just um, interesting. Yeah. Um, this is, so when what the book that we're talking about, um, Maddie on Things, a super serious project about dogs and physics. Um, Theron Humphreys, um, uh, latest project, and he's got a few projects. We'll hear more about them after we take this break. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. We'll be right back. Darling, you're with me, always around me Only love, only love Darling, I feel you under my body Only love, only love Give me shelter, or show me heart Come on, love, come on, love Watch me fall apart And I'll be yours to keep Wind in the shadow well song in the deep Wind in the shadow well song Always around me Only love, only love Darling, I feel you under my body Only love, only love Give me shelter Oh, show me heart Come on, love, come on, love Watch me fall apart Watch me fall apart Welcome back. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel. Today, 
Theron Humphrey is here. Maddie on things, a super serious project about dogs and physics. Um, the first photo book I've ever had on Living Writers. So awesome. this hang the flags out. This is exciting. <laughs> and um, and we were in our email exchange there, and we were talking a little bit about um, well, not not too much, but a couple words. I was telling you how he taught a photo book class this last winter. Yeah. And Robert Frank, the Americans, figured into that that class prominently and I wondered was that Huge um, also inspiration. inspiration for you yeah. yes and um, yeah you know Robert Frank groundbreaking artist um, you know really brought the relevancy of photography um, as art to America you know he had got a great show at MoMA in New York City um, but um, and this isn't uh, a criticism of his work but what I found um, with my work, I wanted it to be the antithesis to his work because his work was all about being a voyeur, being an outsider. And I wanted to go around to America and be vulnerable and have to shake people's hands and look them in the eye, which takes a lot of work and a lot of guts for at least me. Uh, I have to swallow my stomach every time. So like, um, he showed us America. Um, I forget that where he's from. He's like, he's European. Swiss. Okay. Um, and which was like a really new way of seeing the world that he showed us. But I was like, you know what? Um, I want to make sure I know people's names like I knew my granddad's name. So that was like my drive. And another big inspiration was Stephen Shore, which like, you know, he went out and saw like a, a, in America too. Um, like a lot of it um, was like a banal America. He worked a lot with Andy Warhol before he started traveling. Um, but yeah, he and uh, Robert... Um, Robert Frank were, were big inspirations. And I wondered even about Walker Evans because I just was I just read the and looked at um Many Are Called. Yeah. And and that's again totally different because he was secretly taking photos on a sub on the New York subway yeah. in like the late thirties, early forties. Mm-hmm. And then Bruce Davidson did a subway series as well. And it's not that the work isn't great or valuable. It's just like for me, I just knew my calling was to make sure people knew my name. Because um, you know, it's even hard to go up and walk or walk up and talk to people without trying to take a photograph of them. So like, then you introduce like the idea of a portrait and it's just like this incredible and challenge. That I think is an interesting thing to point out that what you are doing is portraiture and it's often in the person's home or their, their place where they're very comfortable and intimate yeah. like inside the home or, or there was, um, I think one guy, um, was, he's, you know, at Walmart, like at behind, like the, you know, uh, but, but so sometimes at work, but mm-hmm. they are, it's intimate spaces, but it's also interesting because the people aren't necessarily, it's not like it's their, their college yearbook photo. It's not, they're not smiling They're They're usually looking into the camera, Yeah, but, but wa- not, it's, it's, there's some, they're not smiling even. But. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> Yeah, I think part of it is like there's been a there hasn't been a recent movement in like contemporary photography like where people shouldn't smile and um and hopefully the, that that wasn't the goal. It's just that often like when people do kind of like smile ear to ear, it, it has like a much more limited read. Um, whereas like hopefully like the, the, the pose is a little bit more natural, kind of how like your face would be if you're just existing in your space and no one is around. Hopefully that's the idea of taking a portrait of someone where they're like not grinning or smiling really big. Um, and yeah. how many pictures are you taking? Because then you create these almost photo essays, these stories with right. the photos. Yeah, the work involved at first, I kind of like, 
kept it really small because I didn't think people would want to spend the time looking at the images. So some of the early stories have like seven, five to seven photographs. And then later on, 26 or more. Yeah, 26, <laughs> 30, 40, 50. Now I'm shooting another documentary and like I'll post like 50 photos. And, I haven't um, seen that one yet. Yeah, and I'm not scared anymore. You know, I'm like, this is, this is what I want to put out there. And, uh, you know, content gets consumed so quickly on the internet. Um, like I think the goal is always to get people to slow down for at least a heartbeat. And spend some time with these these people, yeah. and and you're photographing the objects, like the, the artifacts of the people, like in their homes. Or... Yeah, and that's the power of photography is to be able to uh, to uh, transform the ordinary into um, into art with into attention. Like, yeah, and like to, to like I've, I really have a passion for people's still lives that they often like unintentionally make, and to like create organization out of their their like seeming chaos, and um, which is is really seems silly. But I took a photograph of my um, grandparents' mantle, and on the mantle is this um, giraffe, and if you push the bottom of it, it collapses. And you know, you take a still life of that, and you know, have such great memories of playing with that simple toy. And now it's gone, and that mantle's gone, and it's not around anymore. So. It's really impressive, and I love how photography can age and become more valuable over time. And and in this, because this is the South Highway 17 um, series that you were yeah. just mentioning with your granddad, um, in it, because you, you took these when you went, as you were saying earlier in the program, when he, when your granddad was alive, and um, but there's one of the images is actually the gravestone of both your granddad and grandma and with their birth dates, but neither has had died at that moment when you s took the photo. Yeah, what's interesting about that is they actually had, my grandfather actually had passed away, but um, this is one of the details that you don't know about until you experience it, but it takes at least a month for uh, the gravestone to be engraved. So he was actually already passed away and buried, oh. but um, you don't think about that, that little detail, but... Um, he was actually already there, but like they just hadn't done the final engraving. But I did go back recently when I traveled through North Carolina, and I photographed uh, his tombstone again. And with the, it's with the with the with his date. Like yeah, because yeah, January twelfth, nineteen twenty four, was his birthday. And yeah. The, so is your grandma then? Is her? But hers is still without yeah, the end date. She's uh she's still with us. Yes. She's uh <laughs> yeah she's uh man I hate that I don't know. She's she's uh, 88. I think she turned this year. Oh, that's so, a fine age. Yeah, I recently learned that she actually um, was 18 years old and still didn't have electricity in the house. And she was 16 before they got indoor plumbing. So pretty incredible when you just sit down and, and to listen to people, to learn things. Have you done then her stories? Because did you interview them separately for the project? Yeah, I, I was, um, I, you know, I photographed her um, when I went through uh, Virginia where she's staying with my dad right now. And uh, I, I did take photos of her this past time when I went through. Oh, well, wonderful. Okay, well, let's get back to, to Maddie on things and the organization of the book. How, so when you, because you, like you said, this is a book with many pages, many pictures of Maddie in so many places on so many things. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. and there's, and you have brief captions and sometimes, and sometimes you'll have four pictures on a page. Can you talk a little bit about the choice of designing it and yeah, the you know, organization, Theron? The, uh, the, 
the layout is for, is sequential so like i it was about 3 months into the into my uh, year long documentary when i started photographing maddie because she was with me 24/7 for an entire year so it was kind of natural to point my camera at her maybe like a, a parent does with a new child um so we started in syracuse where i really started photographing her because again like my travels wasn't about me and my experience so like i was kind of avoiding documenting my everyday because i didn't want to that's like a really common travel project i didn't want to make it about that but um, I did start photographing my companion because uh, she has this great penchant for climbing trees and standing in weird places. So it's kind of in her inherent. that's part of the breed mm-hmm. that they can do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They often hunt mountain lions and all sorts of crazy stuff. But um, uh, the, the book, the idea was just to focus on the image as the story. So each page, um, for the most part, has like, I don't know, maybe a, a five or six inch photograph printed uh, with a white border and then just a, a short caption of where I took the image. And it goes... Um, um, you know, around as I was moving around the country, that's how the uh, the images are laid out. But some of the dates, like they, you do, sort of jump ahead in time, and then there'll be an image that comes out of out of like a different date, which is interesting because then, because because then you've made the choice like to put the place and the date, but then then you were making other choices. It seems yeah. <laughs> that like to arrange and so yeah, there. Be... I think I think they're far between. Like the ending photo um, is like Maddie running across a lake that's frozen um, in Minnesota, and it was from February. But uh, I think often with Leia on design, um, it was more important to have a strong end cap than have it be like super honest to the sequential dates or the map of the mm-hmm. route yeah so there, there was compromises made and, and but why because i don't think it's compromise i think it's about because you don't you think it's about the narrative or which pictures are working yeah. together or yeah often it was the diptych so um you know you yes know, the in, diptych it, <laughs> We're at we're in university radio. Yes. We can use big art words. Exactly. Uh, Bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only word I know. A triptych. Uh, <laughs> you stop it. Um, but the thing is, is like often, like in between February seventh and fourteenth, um, I would take more than two photographs. So often we would look through the that series of images I shot for two weeks, and we would pick two that kind of paired well together. When you say we. Who who is helping um, you the, organize? Yeah, it? The, the great folks or- at Chronicle Books, the book publisher in San Francisco. So I actually sat down with their book designer, and we came up with the concept for the the cover shoot, and then the the captions and the layout and the simplicity of the book. So the book's really straightforward, and this comes from I think my education, which is like photograph has value when it's like on a white wall with a white mat and a black frame with a piece of glass. Like that's like <laughs> that's like how we value photographs, and, I, and I'm not saying that's like you know, that's just kind of how a common thought about images. So I think that influence in the book is there where it's like single photograph, white page. So it's like a referencing like the gallery wall. I don't know. Maybe that's too, too much, but that was kind of, no, like what no, I was that makes sense. I think that that's, that's subconsciously why we also can understand it in that way and why you, cause it, you take a moment with it. Whereas, cause that, then it makes it interesting there when you have, like we said, some of the, pictures you have four right yeah those uh, are like pauses I, that's yeah, how we so thought them be, thought about them. and why because why would that be important in the the, the narrative well arc of the you know if you if you have too much of a pattern um just like in a song like you have your chorus and your bridge and like it breaks up this like and it just like flows like a melody and i think and 
and by the way, I'm, I'm not a designer um, in the in the print sense or layout sense. It's just kind of I took the the advice of other people and I just ended up agreeing with it after experiences. It's just that when you get to a page that has four images um, in some sort of um, seeming pattern in the book, it just becomes like a nice pause, like I said, just something visually different to look at. You try to see, for example, like the connections within these four. Like why were they? Why are they neighbors? And w- why is Maddie with the Vegas showgirls in the the underground parking lot? Yeah, and, I mean part of the reason. The shoes. I mean part of the reason that photo is so small is because um, it's not that great of an image because like the lighting the, was really bad. But off. like the moment was so hilarious. Like we're literally walking through the streets, uh, a parking garage in Las Vegas, and these two like fully dressed up showgirls like appear. I'm like, oh my gosh, we have to take a photo. That's so incredible. And they wouldn't let you put Maddie on their shoulders. Or- um, <laughs> Yeah, they're in like full peacock costumes. Uh, but the thing that, uh, you know, this book, um, I've been obviously kind of with it for a while. Um, like what I've realized about it is like it's this really beautiful pop song. So um, I think my documentaries, uh, you know, they're, they're more salt to the earth. Like they take more investment. But like with the Maddie images... Um, it's just like a great piece of candy. And that's like not to undermine the works. Cause like, I mean, you're looking at me like, apparently I love candy. Uh, <laughs> no, no um, judgment. That's how you should feel. Cause I, man, Reese pieces. Yeah. Oh. Count me in. But, um, just like everyone on their, on their album, their music album, they need that one hook song to like draw people in to listen to the whole thing. And I, that's how I feel about the Maddie work. And um, I'm really grateful for that because it's, it's like brought a new audience, like the, the other documentaries that I shoot and really love. Let's take a short break and we'll hear more about these um, from Theron Humphrey, his book, Maddie on Things, a super serious project about dogs and physics. Um, they'll be at Nicholas tonight at seven. We'll take a short break and be right back on Living Writers. Welcome back. You've got Living Writers. I'm T. Hetzel today. Theron Humphrey is here. His photo book, Maddie on Things, a super serious project about dogs and physics out with Chronicle Books. Um, Hey, Theron, did you, so did you approach Chronicle Books or were they like, we love this Instagram, we love this, um, your, 
your your blog or your site you know what yeah. happened with the, they actually approached me so they saw my work on the internet which was really great and they reached out to me and they're like hey would you be interested in doing a book and which was like I'm super thankful for and grateful that they, they came to me because Chronicle Books is an incredible publisher they they don't compromise quality and they do it right um, but it, it was still the, I had to go through the full process I had to get like their you know creative teams and people to like approve it so it was never like a shoe and still had to go through the like the whole procedure uh but um there was a um a senior uh publisher or senior editor at chronicle that liked the work and she thought it would be a really good fit so they approached so with, me with her on your side yeah <laughs> always good to have a you know a champion in your corner well especially if someone said i've seen your work and i've seen that like also that it has staying power and that you are invested in it and these images kept coming and kept being interesting as well and yeah. fresh or, or or deepening in some way where you feel like I looked at some of the comments that people write on the site where they're like I love Maddie or you know like people are yeah people love dogs it's incredible and the the reason why and this is the best sense that I can make of it is that dogs see and hear and smell the world in a way that we'll never be able to experience but they still have this great ability to connect with us and communicate with us and understand us and it creates this really special bond and be on our side yeah it's it's it's, it's quite it's a quite it's like such an incredible gift that like you know humans were given it's like the companion of a dog and and, you know, um, it's like no understatement. It's so true. And, you know, Maddie never wakes up in a bad mood. And there's something like really like I'm grateful for about that. Oh, me too. I must say I was I, I was so happy to meet her out front and happy to meet you, Theron. And then because I was so disappointed when you said we didn't have to smuggle her down into the station because oh. I had the dog bowl for some water oh. for Maddie because I was just picturing, you know, I just, I just kind of thought, well, of course, Maddie's going to be here, too, because I read through Maddie on things. And so you've spent some time with you guys and you get to we and I know you said it's not about you. It's about your companion and not. But 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 we do get to meet you as well in the book in little little pieces. Yeah, <laughs> well, not pieces, but cameo. Yeah, and I think, you know, I have to make it so, like, you know, I'm I'm a real human and there's, like, an actual person behind it. And, and hopefully, like, I'm well, able... Well, you're composing. So you the person knows that what's guiding the vision is your... Yeah, and I think that's what maybe a part of the reason, Maddie, um, the book has, like, um, you know, been, like, you know, accepted or people have enjoyed it because, like, the, the photographs, for the most part, all are really thoughtful and well-composed and considered, um, but not to a T. Because, like, for me, using the iPhone, it was, like, at first it was, like, really casual, and it was, like, something that wasn't have to be so serious as using, like, this, like, formal camera with, you know, the big sensor and the lens, and you're, like, this professional photographer. The iPhone was, like, much more um, relaxed and, like, carefree. So um, It has a different dynamic quality, can quality to it yeah it and, does feel freer yeah and um I, I i wish i could say but i think this is one of the first like full photo books that have been published with all iphone photos at least from like an established uh printer um so you know i don't think that the images inherently have more value because they were an iphone for photograph you know the cameras are just tools but you know nevertheless i think it's an interesting story because like i never thought these photographs would be you know 
in a book. I was just taking them on my camera because I thought they were funny. Right, right. It <clears throat> reminds me of Richard Misrach, who did the pictures after post-Katrina. And he made these, be- um, destroy this memory, this photo project of his. And those were taken on sort of his, like his, like the smaller throwaway camera sort, sort of thing that where he was just trying to remember locations for the bigger, like the, the real pictures or so that he was taking on the the the, the more uh, sophisticated cameras but then those became the pictures that he had the story to tell with and so you just don't you have to be open to what you're yeah finding and, your project and what the story is yeah and the thing that I've like discovered after being on the road for so long and, and shooting these projects that I've been really invested in is that um, like the best things in life seem to grow or organically over time and um, just kind of shift and, and change on their own um, and not trying to like force something. And, uh, you know, I think probably um, Richard like felt the same, like he was snapshots and then you take a step back and you're like, oh, wow, like wow. that just came out of nowhere and it's incredible. And that's how, how the Maddie project was for me. Cause you know, I was just putting my dog on top of things, you know, <laughs> there's very little intent at first. It was just kind of like that idea of like the traveling gnome, like kind of like doing the same thing like over and over again in different locations. So it was just like marker and this remembrance of where I was. And it just happens that Maddie is like the, one of the cutest dogs ever. <laughs> and so and so patient too to be sort of put in these places and yeah. And the work has evolved since then. And in, in the um, her patience level has been like even like um, shown in a greater extent, like she's like just willing to sit and wait for like food of any kind. So, um, and she has this great thing where like um, we were on the Today Show not too long ago and she was sitting on a stool next to me and we were talking and she just like lowered her head and she like fell asleep. (laughs) It's so adorable. (laughs) She's just a funny dog. She's like, I just need to recoup some energy from all of this excitement. (laughs) No, she is. She's... Okay, having met her, I can attest to the yeah love, lovely nature of of the, your beast. Uh, she's really lovely. Um, so these the so this project has this evolved into something, and and the work that you're doing now with the documentaries. Would would you like to tell us a, a little bit about that? Because you're still using stills, like there's yeah. some parts of the medium that are staying the same. But. Yeah. So this year, concurrently with the uh, the book tour, we're shooting a 50 state documentary, and it's called Why We Rescue. So the idea is like we're creating narratives of people's lives. So stills and audio they come together to create this portrait of a person. And I didn't intentionally get into the dog world. I just kind of fell into place here. I'm really grateful to be here, of course. Um, but I realized that my place is I don't want to show sad dogs behind. Ages suffering. I want my voice to be uh, much more salty to the earth. I want to show maybe from the ground up how rescuing or adopting an animal and bringing it into your life can literally make your family and your life and your, your whole existence better. So the Why We Rescue Project is... Um, it's a storytelling um, adventure where I'm photographing one person in every state and creating this narrative of their life of how and when and where and how they brought an animal into the world and how their life is better. So trying to bring awareness that, hey, you don't have to go spend a lot of money on, a, on an animal. There's some great pets at your local shelter, at your local rescue. Go hang out with them and spend time with them. So the project is all about creating awareness and how, you know, taking a risk is beautiful because everyone that I photographed, they didn't know their dog when they got them and now like fast forward a year six years later like they would never change it and it's like just makes life better so that's what that documentary is about so 
as we travel America. That gets that website gets updated once a week. And you've got that um, Why We Rescue painted across the trailer, too, so with a, a, a drawing of Maddie, so people will know it's you when you're coming down the road. If they see you, they should honk. Right? Yeah, I, I feel like it would be a little wasteful just to, to travel and drive, you know, 65,000 miles on a book tour. So, like, this, this um, the, the documentary, the Why We Rescue uh, project is, like, it's grounding, it's foundation, it's like the ultimate reason. We're grateful to sign books and meet people and promote this because like I love it, but also it's like, hey, we're out here trying to uh, bring a lot of awareness to all the animals that are in need of homes. And did you hook up with the petfinder.com? Because she's in the book, yeah, right? Yeah, Betsy's did, in the book. Bet, I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> she's, she's not like directly um, associated with the Why We Rescue Project, but my tie to her is I had the privilege of kind of randomly meeting her her out in San Diego just kind of by chance we our paths crossed and I gotta like thank her and shake her hand and she's like of course like super nice and she's done amazing things and so how so so with this like the why we rescue how are you finding the one person per state yes and is it already decided or is that something on the fly as you guys are heading towards Ohio you're gonna be saying let's look for some dogs yeah (laughs) it's a little bit on the fly but this time around people are actually signing up so like you can go to whywerescue.com and like sign up and like raise your hand to be a part of the project which has been great to have it's not that it makes it any easier necessarily um, because having a photograph taken of you still can be like very awkward and uncomfortable but it's people that are like that know the project, understand what it's about, and they're like, "Hey, come tell our story." So, you know, it's nice to have people like more willing to be a part of it. And so it won't be. It's so, but you're still probably doing the hello, like sticking your hand out to meet someone. Those those moments that took took a kind of a leap of faith for you to reach out. Yeah, it's Aaron. still a ton of work <laughs> and to like overcome people's awkwardness. Um, and it's not like it's intentional. It's just like, you know, when's the last time someone was in your house taking a photograph of you and your space and creating the story of your life? So like it's a very uh, unique life experience. It's not something really common to become comfortable with. So like the role of the photographer is to put someone at ease and to let them know that like, hey, you're there to like celebrate life, not like, you know, show some kind of like um, you know, bad oh, side. Yeah, which I think, you know, the the camera's a powerful tool. Like, it makes lives lives better, but it's also, like, ruined lives. I mean, Princess Diana, I mean, like, photography was, like, this catalyst or something really horrible. And um, not to put, like, a a bad spin on it, but, like, I think it just shows, like, the beauty and the power of photography. Like, is, like, something to, like, really respect. And I think you make it very clear that it's that you want want to make something that you believe in and that you're proud of. Yeah. And that so that you feel, like you're pouring yourself into the world in a, in a way that's adding to the world. Yes. Not, not in a self like sort of promoting way, obviously, but the way of being part of something that's bigger than you are and telling other people's stories. Yeah. And the hopes is, is like, Hey, look at these like ordinary everyday moments. It's not always about the everyday moment. Yeah. It's not about like finding, um, the dog that like lost all of its legs in the, in the storm and you saved it from a rushing river. Like it's not that that's not valuable, but like what is just as valuable is going to your local shelter and getting an animal because it's often really difficult in life to see your mark. But when you adopt a dog or a cat, like you can literally point at uh, a living being and be like, I made your life better and you're making my life better. Look, like, when you said Maddie leaned on your leg when you were first visiting her and she sort of chose you as yeah. well. 
definitely. So like it, it was that kind of like that tangible quality that where you get to like actually see your impact on life. And that's like, you know, totally valuable. And then take some pictures. Yeah. Right? You know, and get the audio equipment. <laughs> yeah. And I hope my projects just inspire people to, um, next time they see their grandparents or their mom just to sit down and take a photograph and record their voice and their story and also just to organize it and make sense of it and catalog it so it's accessible for people after us. That's actually really key, that last bit that you said. Definitely. To put it together. And thanks for bringing this photo book um, to Ann Arbor. This is great. Maddie on Things, a super serious project about dogs and physics. You can go meet Theron Humphrey and Maddie um, at Nicholas tonight at 7 o'clock. Thanks so much, Theron, for being here today on the program. It's been a pleasure. It's great to talk with you. Um, thanks again to Greg for engineering. Thanks to all of you out there listening to us, wherever you are. Look for Theron Humphrey and Maddie. They're on the road, um, hopefully coming to your state soon. Um, until next time, I'm T. Hetzel. I look cute at the end of your leash. You're adorable beast as I salivate on your shoes. Obedient and true, loyal through and through, a fuzzy reflection of you. If you are wounded, I will lick it. If you feed me, I won't forget it. If I mess up, just rub my nose in it. You let me out to sniff around, do my business and stretch out. And I always come running when you call. I look cute at the end of your leash, you adorable beast. Ha 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 ha. I look cute at the end of your leash, you adorable beast. It's five o'clock. You're listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, and that means it's time for the Drive Time Polka Party. Started off with nothing and you're proud that you're a self-made 